and welcome everyone to the jungle, because you know where you are, and you, in fact, are going to die. And this is Thunderdome Metal Reviews, informing you of this. I am Ben, with me as always are Tracy, Gabe, and David. Gentlemen, how was your week? Long. On this night train. (laughs) On this night train. I feel like y'all are out to get me. Uh, Always. (laughs) Mr. Brownstone. I just couldn't stop thinking of Beavis and Putthead anytime I heard a couple of these. Yeah. This is very much that era. It is so, so much that era. A little before that era, but bleeding into that era for but, sure. Yeah, they did at least Paradise City, and I think one other one. I mean, of course they did. Shit's yeah. legend. How are they not going to? Indeed. All right, Tracy. So for those who are unaware, what are we talking about? We were talking about Ben's pick for this for this recording session, and it's Guns and Roses' Appetite for Destruction. It was released on January twenty first, nineteen eighty seven. This is their debut studio album. This is the debut studio album when it comes to record sales. It was recorded in Rumbo Studios, and there were a couple other in Los Angeles, but it was recorded primarily in the Los Angeles area. It was re- released on Geffen Records. Producers Mike Clink had a runtime of 53 minutes and 52 seconds. Your lineup for this recording is Axel Rose on lead vocals, synthesizer on Paradise City and percussion, Slash on re- lead guitar, rhythm guitar, acoustic guitar, slide guitar, talk box and backing vocals, Easy Stradlin, rhythm guitar, lead guitar, backing vocals, and percussion, Duff Rose McKagan, bass and backing vocals, and Steven Adler, drums and percussion. Before we ask Ben why he chose this, can you walk to your font choice, Tracy? Because I feel like that might have been Comic Sans, and I just think that needs to be addressed for anyone oh, watching it. Oh, it man. Is. Tracy, is that the vibe? Thunderdome Metal Reviews vibe check. Like this isn't it. That's I think I think I have it set up to where the main like label for the slides on each of the have writing is the Comic Sans and the more serious stuff on the bottom. But I mean, we can't take ourselves too seriously here at Thunderdomes. That's fair. I feel like we need to have a whole podcast with how I feel about that font choice. But more important, Comic Sans. (laughs) I really don't, dude. To me, if I see it in an email. I, I like I'm tempted to delete immediately. I have like, some colleagues that use it, but I'm like, no. Like I get it, like in an email sense of like a business, if you're using something sure. that's not black or blue and a and a Helvetica times your Romans or Calibri style font, you're in a fuck doing it fucking wrong. But like for a PowerPoint for a metal podcast, Comic Sans is 100% acceptable. I want a death metal font immediately. That's my biggest complaint. Like, I'm like, there's got to be one here. And there's just what he's saying is, we don't want to be able to read it. So if you can make <laughs> it as illegible right. as possible, Windings. that would be Windings. wonderful. So will, thank, thank you. So I'll thank sure you so much. Anytime I do them again from guess how I'm going forward, I'm going to do your, your specific albums and nice. readings, David. Do it. Just to, so Ben, now that we've gone on that really totally pointless journey somewhere else, why did you pick this album? Why did I pick this album? A, because Tracy hates it. Um, and B, because um, we had done Motley Crue 
earlier. So to kind of dipping our toe into glam, and I'm not going to say that this is necessarily glam, but this is, as Tracy pointed out when he was talking about it, this is one of the largest selling U.S. albums of all time. It sold over 30 million copies worldwide. This was an inflection point where I would say that this might not necessarily be heavy metal, that it's more hard rock, but man, it's the hardest fucking rock that you can get. Um, it actually brought some dirt and sleeves back into the genre that had been watered down by the cartoonish dirt and sleeves of bands like Poison and Motley Crue before Dr. Feelgood. Um, so yeah, that that's kind of why to, to kind of get some of this 80s stuff that isn't new wave of British heavy metal or thrash or you know, some of the more extreme black metal that we've talked about to just kind of round out this uh, niche in our vocabulary. Yeah. I do want to say, I think it does fall under metal because if non-metal fans consider this too heavy for hard rock, they consider it metal. Like, unless you're like us, which is this kind of on that borderline for us, like normal people consider this in that metal field. So well, you're I mean, saying Cerebral Rot might not no. consider this a heavy metal album. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think any <laughs> Is that of what I'm hearing you say? <laughs> yes. Any other three bands we're doing during this recording session would probably okay. not classify this as metal. <laughs> oh but, my god, yeah, indeed. Uh, but, I think that depends on how old they are. I mean, is it that as metal sure. is what they're doing? No, but that doesn't mean they wouldn't consider it heavy metal. Yeah, true. Uh, well, I mean, they were they toured with Metallica, Pantera, like they definitely cut their teeth in that metal circuit as well. I think they were as metal as anything was on MTV that wasn't Headbangers Ball, right? Because Headbangers Ball, obviously, there was you know that's where I got to see Anthrax and Megadeth and stuff. But this is pretty fucking heavy for 1987. I remember yeah. hearing this on the radio. This was some of the first metal I think I kind of ever heard actually, because like my like my dad who was the one who listened to music, he did not listen to metal, so it was listening to radio uh it's glam adjacent but i agree with you it is a lot oof even compared to trying to feel good this album is uh raw dirty and probably dead in the ditch behind a truck stop yeah from in, from indiana to los angeles well, dude, so even and... the ballads are like all right even the ballads are just totally fucked going through you're gonna I think we're, we'll get into that when we talk about for example michelle or <laughs> and yeah. really any of them <laughs> all of the above yeah no and totally and this it, again the importance of this can't be understated because speaking of headbangers ball ricky rackman wouldn't have got the job if it wasn't for his relationship with axel rose so that's how fucking and, and honestly i mean you know even beyond metal because it was not off this album but like uh on the next album or ep after this the one that had patience on it he's wearing an nwa fucking cap and I was like, who the hell is NWA? So I looked them up, and that's kind of when I fell into the rap hole. So I got an additional shot in the arm with not this album, but this band with all the hype surrounding Terminator 2. It's a fucking movie I thought was so bad. Yep. Right? Like, and that was from Use Your Illusion 2. And then obviously, Use Your Illusion, there was so much hype around it. November Rain was like the GNP of most countries was spent on that video that's so like, ludicrous <laughs> i think we'll eventually get around to those albums so i don't want to talk a sure. whole lot about them but say what you want but um the uh you could uh you should be mine or you could be mine as you could be mine that is a metal as fuck that song is 100 percent. yeah yeah i listened to that some this week i'm like this song's really fucking good i mean i loved it back then but i was you know 
I was stupid. So I was like, what, what will I think about? <laughs> like going from that to werewolves, maybe it was not the best choice, but still it's, I consider it this metal. The choice. Yeah. It was the best choice. I think it's, Gabe, is this metal? You're the, I feel like you've well, gone the deepest on some of these questions. But I mean, I don't think I'm an authority either. I, I probably wouldn't consider this metal, but that's more just because I have a better sense of what metal is now. And I guess this also is a question for me of generation and I'm really missing the references for, you know, what was going on at the time when this record came out because I was five years old. (laughs) um, And I didn't grow and and Tracy obviously knows this from earlier somehow, but not from, you know, the time that it came out. Um, The other thing is that I'm wondering how the money that was spent to make this record compares to the money that was spent to make the other records that we listened to this week, uh, because there's so much. Like, I think it was something like $370,000 was spent making this record, uh, which is insane to me, but I can see how it would happen. How much? $370,000. I mean, did they just blew the record label away. I'm just stunned. Well, they'd release a live album prior to this, I think. Mm-hmm. At least according to Wikipedia, they released a live album. And I think that probably garnered enough attention from the record. Like, we'll give you a modicum of amount to start off with. But I mean, here's 70 you, grand for a debut album. It's a fuck. Well, pile I mean, of how money. much do you think was spent on Use Your Illusion 1 and 2? And then a oh, Chinese wow. Democracy. More. And Chinese more. Democracy was like $30 million or whatever. Um, I think, and I'm going to get there. I'm not going to look this up. So, fact checkers do your thing but i know that they had multi-million dollars for chinese democracy and they blew past that i think it wound up making money anyway which is insane to me because i don't think we will ever review that one it's not that great it's a solid album but it's not there are some gnr stands out there of course there ever there were and i'm pretty sure they bought that money that album hand over fist so, like, I was introduced to this band for my friend's mom. Like, this was a band she liked growing up because she's of a similar age of maybe a couple years older than David and Ben. And so this was stuff that she was listening to. I think she had just got out, entered high school, or got out of high school when this album came out. And so this was definitely in her daily rotation kind of thing. And she was telling, and I think she introduced me to this band. So this was one of those things, and not surprising since it released in summer. So uh, as you said, it released in July. So the next school year, because I think that was when I went into sixth grade, maybe seventh grade. I don't know. Either way, all of a sudden, people were into rock music, and like everybody wanted to play guitar. Everybody was wearing Guns N' Roses shirts. The iconic cover, which was not the original cover that you see here on the screen or that you're familiar with. Um, yeah, it was huge. And I know it didn't start out that way. It took a little while to really kind of take off. But man, this was this album was everywhere. This album was everywhere in the same way that the Black album was everywhere and in the same way that Nevermind was ever, everywhere. It was just so dominant, even on the pop yeah. airwaves. That was yeah. what was so striking. The thing I have to parse out, and this is not the first band for which this has been the case, 
is that Axel Rose is such an asshole. Like, <laughs> and I know, right, like some of the shit that man has pulled, he's like crushed people through his stupid behavior. Some of his like, I'm done playing now. You should well, riot. Like some of the dumb shit this man has done. Yeah. And I know, and I it know. Was the, yeah, it was right. the Metallica Guns N' Roses tour that where they had that stampede that killed like 30 people because like that was the same tour that James got blown up by Pyro. And then like, so instead of Metallica sets done, of course, they can't continue on. Instead of Guns N' Roses coming out and like, hey, we're going to play cover three. X Rose walks out with a cigarette and a bottle of whiskey in his hand and goes, uh, my throat's not feeling tonight, guys. Sorry. And just walks the fuck off stage. That's, that's not exactly what happened. He wasn't even in, in the building yet because they alternated who was opening. And that was the night Metallica was opening. And so he wasn't to the building. And when he got to the building, he like, they played two or three songs. And then something happened that pissed him off. And he's like, we're out. Ask for a refund. And that's when shit hit the fan. I think a bottle got thrown. I think it's something minor, like somebody threw something at him or. Well, he I was think. like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but he yeah, was funny. like super conscious about like if a photographer was taking pictures and they told him to stop oh, or like recording the shit. Because I mean, boot, I mean, this was a, a time when bands were actually making money to Gabe's point about the record label actually giving them a $370,000 advance to make this damn thing. And it was a good investment on their part. Didn't he assault, assault a photographer? I feel like he more than one. <laughs> Shit, dude. Okay, and I <laughs> that know checks. that's that's totally that tracks. Uh, I didn't I didn't see it happen, but I I bet it did. Um, you I feel, just want to come like back. It happened. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I just want to come back to like the music, and I I didn't I said that I didn't think this was metal, but I'm not really ready to like defend that statement. But as far as mu the music is concerned, I don't think it's very adventurous uh, for that time. Um, the guitar work is incredible. Uh, Axel's voice is Axel's voice, but I don't think they're breaking out into really new musical territory. I think that the lyrical content is somewhat shocking, right? Or, or it might've been somewhat shocking for that time. Uh, but I don't think that they're offending anybody with their music per se. And I think that a lot of, a lot of metal did uh, well, offend people. I would say that they did offend people with their music. Um, having lived through it. Um, but you're right as far as it being groundbreaking because it's basically them cosplaying Aerosmith, who was cosplaying the Rolling Stones, who was cosplaying a bunch of Brit or blues people that nobody had ever heard of, at least in America. So, yeah. But I guess also, like, I, I don't have any sentimental attachment to this. You know, I just don't have that connection to it. It mostly just makes me think of college bars. Um, and not even when I was in college, it's like bars that I went after college where college kids hung out and, you know, um, I'll, I'll also give away a little bit from the top. Like I like a lot of this, but I don't love any of it. And some of it in, kind of in spite of myself, like, I just, I don't know why, but it's like, you know, it's just, you know, it's all right to listen to. It definitely suffers from being overplayed. I will say that, that. but does. anything that's popular is, is going to be that. Because to your point, somewhere right now in a bar in the Midwest or the South, one of these songs is playing. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and this is, I think, if you want to look at an album where Ben has said the phrase years ago, an album with three or four really good songs on it was considered a great album. I think this is the picture-perfect example of that statement. Because out of sight of like three or four songs in this album, the rest of them are CD list material, barely worth a damn. 
Like, I don't know if we might have a disagreement on that. I'm going to get into the track. List. I've, I've said oftentimes that Guns N' Roses' entire discography can boil down to greatest hits, and you can just listen to that and get their entire everything else. You don't need to hear anything on it. And this album did nothing to dissuade me of it. Like, I knew the four, maybe five tracks that would be on that greatest hits album, and the rest of it, not that spectacular, not that good. Uh, before we get into that, I, I do want to give one provisio to what I said earlier about this basically just being them cosplaying as Aerosmith and everything. I do kind of still believe that's true because it's, you know, hard rock, heavy blues band. But I do think that uh, Duff in particular injects a little bit of punk because he came from the punk scene in Seattle. Um, so there is a little bit more of a harder edge to it than anything that I would consider the Rolling Stones or Aerosmith having. I mean, it certainly was a hell of a lot heavier than a lot of what Glam had turned into by 1987. And it's interesting, they're out of that same scene, OLA, where all dreams go to die. Like, this, this is part of that same universe. Um, and it shows. It really shows in terms of just, I don't know if you guys remember the videos to these songs, Welcome to the Jungle, where like Midwestern girl, I guess this is happened to Axel when he moved from Lafayette, Indiana to LA <laughs> anyway, just, you know, is, well, you can watch yeah. it for yourselves. It's not yeah. a great trajectory for her. <laughs> so, no. And he gets electrocuted as one does. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it's, um, there's a lot going on here. They're such babies, man. He's like 60 now. I looked a picture of him. I'm like, holy shit, that's what you look like? Now? I mean, I same thing. Me also, I guess. I, mean, I, was, <laughs> I was 10 then, and now I'm not. But uh, yeah, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's aged poorly, partially one, because you just keep hearing it in every decade over and over. So it's just always around. It's sort of conquered audio space. But also, to your point about it being to a certain degree a riff on a riff on a riff, I mean, you know, it's there's some timeless rock shit happening here that I think seems to still work unless you're tracing and then it doesn't, but. I have to say this offends me a lot less than Molly Crew, the Molly Crew record that we listened to. And I don't, I'm not really sure what to chalk that up to. Is it overexposure? Um, is it that like, I actually like the music better? Um, I'm not really sure, but um, yeah. That's, that's a very really interesting know. thing, and, and I, I, I would throw out a hypothesis, and you can tell me that I'm wrong, and that's fine, but I, it's almost like, and I think Axel was serious about the music almost too much so, and that's why he became such a dickhead, but, you know, Matt Sorum slash Izzy Stradlin, Duff McKagan, all of those dudes are super about the music. And if you ever listen to interviews from them or see them talking about it, they listen to everything slashes on everybody's fucking album. He's kind of like Tom Morello in that way. And so you had a band full of guys who were super into music and really cared about playing, even if they weren't necessarily that great at the beginning, but who is? And then Axel Rose, whereas Motley Crue Mick Mars is the guy who's super about the music. And then Tommy Lee is a really talented drummer. And, but they're also a bunch of party guys. And not that the guys in Guns N' Roses didn't party, but I think that for them, they, had a, they cared about the music and the sound just a little bit more than I feel that Motley Crue ever did. And that could be entirely wrong on my part, but that's the sense I get. And I wonder if that plays into your um, appreciation of this more than Motley Crue. That would make sense. I feel like one it of the only might because you can. I guess. I guess some of the way that I responded to Motley Crue is like I thought that 
they were putting together stuff that felt like a pack, like a sort of a packaged product and not necessarily, you know, this super heartfelt or super, you know, um, yeah, maybe, maybe, uh, in a sort of a sense of being invested in what you're, what you're making. Um, but that's also just like what I'm putting on it. I don't think that's necessarily grounded right. in fact. Right. Sorry, I interrupted you, David. I ain't nothing. No, it's all good, man. It was, um, it was directed at you. You're the one we're trying to convert because five-year-old you fucked up and didn't listen to Guns N' Roses, which is... How dare you, five-year-old you, not be into this album. I, way to go, it was, man. It was the first of many mistakes at five. <laughs> at age five. Beginning of age five. The Instead deviation. of the gay project, it's the Adam project. Instead of the Adam project, it's the gay project. He's going to go yeah. back and introduce himself we, to cavernous death metal and Guns N' Roses at the same time. We hot tub time machine this shit back to five-year-old gay, but now he's just a demon in 2022. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think one of the only paint. Oh my, indeed. I think one of the only bands, and then we obviously need to stop talking about this because it isn't Guns N' Roses, but one of the only bands I feel like you almost see that was both a party band, but it still pulled off being good at that good at the music was Pantera. Though I know that yeah. also partially tore Pantera apart. Like within Pantera, there were some divisions on that front, but I, I agree almost to a fault. That's <laughs> a lot more serious than Vince Neil. Killed more people. You know, slightly direct, less direct way. Yeah, it's less like, directly, just, but yeah, like let's just, <laughs> higher body count. This is the body is count <laughs> symbol we would put on here. Body do we count. Need, do we house. need to split hairs here, David? Do we really? <laughs> this is Vietnam gave the rules. It's the systemic versus systematic decisions and processes. <laughs> All right, uh, let's get into tracks here. Um, I'll go ahead and just go first since I'm obviously the uh, the least most impressed person with this album i'm gonna say it starts well with welcome to the jungle i think mr brownstone is surprisingly good uh paradise city and sweet child of mine the rest of this album i could get two shits less about well tracy i can honestly say you're fucking crazy because every one of these is a banger except for maybe rocket queen <laughs> so I was impressed with how many songs beyond the ones I expected were pretty good because I didn't know this album super well. I knew all the stuff that was on the radio and I had a greatest hits album and then I had use your illusion. I didn't actually buy this album at the time because I was 10. So I too failed game at life at, the, at, at this juncture. But I think Welcome to the Jungle is this fucking badass. That's a song that's always been my favorite song by theirs and remains. So it's so easy. It's pretty catchy. Uh, I agree with you, Tracy. Mr. Brownson, surprisingly good. Paradise City is awesome. I hadn't really listened, like, read some of the lyrics of these songs. Holy shit, y'all. Like, I had a somewhat different idea in my mind of what that and Sweet Child of Mine were like. Um, I, you know, 10-year-old me was just sort of mouth, like, mouthing the words, but I don't think really processing them. Uh, I love the story of my Michelle where, you know, Axel's friend Michelle, they heard a song. She's like, I wish someone would write me a song like that. And he like wrote a song and it was cheesy. She was like, eh, this isn't very good. He's like, oh, let me try again. And then this came out of him. And she's like, oh my God, this is a fucking horror show, but also accurate. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's how that happened. Uh, and I like Anything Goes. I kind of wish it were the closer. I agree with you, Ben. Rocket Queen's one of the ones. It's, eh, I don't know. I'm not entirely sure what it is about it, but I think Anything Goes is pretty good. So I, I like, I don't know, what is that, two thirds of these? More than maybe even I thought I would. It's um, I I too liked it a bit more than uh, than our friends in the Motley Crew. 
So I think uh, about 75% of these songs are actually okay to listen to. Uh, but the ones that I really like a lot are pretty obvious for the most part. I mean, Welcome to the Jungle um, is a great opener. I like Night Train, actually. Uh, I like uh, My Michelle. I think that's great. Uh, the melody is really cool. Um, Sweet Child of Mine is probably the best song on the entire record and uh, you know, hit number one for good reason. Uh, and I also liked You're Crazy. I thought it was really interesting, the story of how Sweet Child of Mine came to be. And it seems like that main riff just came out of Slash, like doing some, you know, weird like guitar exercise. It sounds kind of like, you know, something that might be in like a Bach partita that's like difficult to play, but kind of repetitive and just like takes a lot of uh, rote memorization to actually get right. But then um, turned into this pop song. It's really uh, kind of exciting how that happened. Um, but yeah, uh, surprisingly, <laughs> for me at least, surprisingly, like very listenable. To your point about Sweet Child of Mine, you know, everybody I knew who played guitar, which was several people, I mean, you know, I'm from a really small area, so I'm sure there are a lot of people who knew more. But uh, every 11-year-old guitarist that I knew was trying to play that. I mean, there are people who, like, years later, so, like, this is 87. By the time we're graduating in 94, there are people who are playing that at Senior Showcase and shit. So, I mean, take that for what it's worth. All right, gentlemen. Grades. Where would you put this album at? I'm going to give it an A. I mean, I, I think it's legendary for an, an infamous in many ways. Is it an A plus? No, but just barely because, I mean, and then a lot of that boils down to whether you think this is metal or not, or if it's just so damn overplayed that it can't be. But for me, it's definitely an A. I'm going to give this a B minus. It's way more than I was expecting. I thought you said a few standout tracks. Okay, I'm not going to rubric your ass, but well, I'm, I'm I'm giving it the way due to the what it has become. I think sure. this is one of the few times I think I'm going to give a bump based off to legacy off of it because I don't really. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, I'm not a personal fan of it, but. There's got to be something there that every reason why it's so 30 million albums. So a B minus 80. I think if I go lower than that, I think we might actually be canceled. <laughs> <laughs> You're afraid of that? Maybe. Who knows? Anchor FM is going to take us off. Just delete us. Well, at the risk of being canceled myself, um, I think I'm going to give this a B. I, uh, it's not something that I would actually ever go back to, <laughs> like both because of it, it's it's just too ubiquitous. Like you can just hear it walking into any you know, here in the supermarket practically. Um, but it's got some quality riffs on it, and uh, 
as I said, it's not super offensive to me. I think this, I think that Axl Rose does a pretty bang up job here. Probably recorded enough takes to, um, you know, spend enough what I earn a, in a year, but you know, uh, there you go. Um, it's pretty good. Uh, it's not something that I, uh, I, I don't know. I don't see its reverberations today in influence in terms of like, who is uh, trying to be the next Guns N' Roses, for instance. But if you're going to argue that it's part of metal, sure. Then they, you know, paved the way for, for some other folks to do some more interesting things. I'm going to pull us back up a bit. Uh, I like this more than I like Dr. Fieldgood, and I think I give that a B plus. So um, I'm going to give it an A minus. The only reason I'm not necessarily going to put it in legendary status is I agree with Gabe. It's not necessarily that innovative, and it isn't quite my genre, but it definitely, I'm, I'm going to give it a 92. I'll give it the highest A minus possible. That gives us a Thunderdome average of an 88, making it an excellent album. Now, gentlemen, would you purchase this album? Granted, I'm just going to say it. If we were alive during the time this came out, probably yes. Oh God, yes. Yeah, without hesitation. <laughs> I mean, there was. Yeah. You didn't have a lot of. You had some options then, like Rain and Blood was out, and Wet Master, I guess, was already out. But mm -hmm. yeah, I would have bought this then. I, I didn't because I was ten. <laughs> but I was not born yet. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't buy it at the time because I was 11 and had no monies. Um, but when I was starting to buy albums in the mid 90s, I, I did buy a copy of it. I yeah, I was. Go ahead, Gabe. It's just because I was five, so I wouldn't have bought this at the time. Uh, I didn't even know what rock music was, uh, but that's okay. Um, I probably would not buy this album currently. The good news is I'm sure Ben is going to buy it for you as a present, so you'll get to. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay for him to get a tattoo of the cover. So. <laughs> How much are you going to pay me for a tattoo of the cover? Well, I didn't say How I was going to pay you. I said I was going to pay for a tattoo of the cover, so whatever the tattoo costs. <laughs> Oh, how, how much would it cost for you to get a, a Tracy? Because we could probably, I, I would start a GoFundMe to get Tracy a, 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 an appetite 100%. for destruction tattoo. An appetite for destruction tattoo? I'd do it for five grand. I don't know that we could get that. I, get yeah, <laughs> I feel like if we're going to cut a GoFundMe for five grand for Thunderdome, it maybe needs to be for something else. We would buy our own whiskey for that. We would buy a couple of barrels and have our own whiskey. Indeed. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, what are we doing next time? Next, we are doing David's pick, and it's Death Metal Surprise, and it's Werewolves, What a Time to Be Alive, and what oh, a, what a cover that is. What a, what a cover a that is, cover. and what a time it is. They just nail it. There's just, in terms of the zeitgeist, the fact that we're all going to be consumed by flame while shredding each other's throats, like, this is it. Nails it. And I can't wait to hear Tracy traumatized in a different way than he was by Guns N' Roses. <laughs> oh, yep. We'll turn in next time to see how that trauma plays out in real time.